What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Labor Secretary Eugene Scalia on the American workforce in crisis. I think a lot of the protections that uh, you'd want workers to have are in place. Uh, They're uh, either up and running or they're about to be launched. Many of the employees who are still working are doing so from home, which means, counterintuitively, a lot of them are slacking. CEO of the messaging app Slack on his platform in a pandemic. Even as the, you know, we have this surge in, in new users, the average utilization per user is also massively increasing. And the CEO of New Jersey's largest health network on what's to come in the battle against COVID-19. We're holding our own. We're certainly encouraged that there seems to be a little bit of um, early light at the end of the tunnel. It's Tuesday, April 7th, 2020. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. First up today on the podcast, jobs on America's Main Street. Many of the 10 million plus workers who have newly filed for unemployment benefits in the last few weeks worked at small businesses. $350 billion from the government's $2 trillion coronavirus relief package have been dedicated to the Paycheck Protection Program for businesses with 500 employees or fewer. Launched on Friday, it's gotten off to a bit of a rocky start. Many entrepreneurs report being turned away from banks or being stuck in the process. Applications in but no funds dispersed. The Trump administration told CNBC late Monday there have been 175,000 loans assigned an SBA loan number with a value around $50 billion. And the National Federation of Independent Businesses is out today with its latest report on Main Street sentiment. It shows a drop of 8.1 points in March to 96.4. That is the largest monthly drop in the survey's history, which dates back to 1973. Today on Squawk Box, we spoke to the U.S. Secretary of Labor, Eugene Scalia. Here's Joe Kernan. Mr. Secretary, it's good to see you um, this morning. I want to start with, um, I don't know whether you get to, you're probably busy, but, you know, we're locked at home. I watch these, these task force updates, and I have seen the president more than a couple of times just really take issue with the way questions are phrased uh, by, by people in the room about uh, about the, the lending facility to small businesses. And he and st- he wants them to say, gosh, what a great program. I know there's a couple of glitches, but what a great program. They seem focused on, wow, this is just a, a just a mess and nobody is. It's not working at all. Where's the real answer? What's the truth in what's happening now? Is it it's tough to roll it out? Has it been done smoothly and is it working the way it should? Well, first of all, I think it's a, a great program, a great idea. And, you know, the fundamental concept here is that we're putting our economy on pause to beat the virus. Uh, We want to keep workers attached to their employer, and this small business program incentivizes that. As you know, it uh, gives you a loan, and the loan's forgivable uh, in large part, uh, provided you keep your workers on payroll. That's the concept. Let's keep these uh, thriving businesses intact so that uh, once the virus is beat, we can spring back quickly to the very strong economy we had. I think it's very impressive how quickly this got stood up. The billions of dollars a day, I think billions of dollars an hour 
uh, in loans that have uh, come through. So I think the program is it's up, it's running, it's uh, running well. Uh, uh, nothing put up this quickly is going to be perfect in every way, but I think it's a very good program that's running well. Do you think that the small businesses that are worried that uh, that if they don't, I, I know you've got to, I think you have to have your taxes done. There, it, it is difficult, I think, they, to get all your ducks in a row if you're a small business, probably. It, uh, should they worry about uh, funds running out? And do you think that it'll be replenished? That's not going to be an issue? Well, I mean, let me say first, it's a sign of w- what a good program it is and how well it's, it, it's working in these early days that one of the questions you hear most frequently is, should we expand it? Um, and, you know, we'll see. I think the president has indicated his uh, support, enthusiasm for the program. And uh, I think uh, it's widely believed uh, that there's a great value in enabling companies, particularly small business, which employs just about half of American workers. Uh, there's a lot of value in keeping these businesses intact during this, we hope, short period of time so they can spring back. Whether it needs to be funded more, we'll see. Uh, but I think we really want to make this program work so that we can rebound to the kind of economy we had uh, just just a few weeks ago. Do you think that by putting all these things into practice from phase three, are there things missing that, that are ne- needed in a phase four at this point, do you think? Could you come up with three or four things that, that we, we might have added or done differently and that should be done if there is a phase four? I, I think what stands out about phase three is how many, of the, how many of the really important bases are being covered now. I mean, we've been talking about uh, the small business program to help keep small businesses afloat and uh, keep them attached to their workers. Uh, we've got these uh, paychecks that, uh, or uh, IRS payments that will be coming to uh, individual Americans within uh, a week or two now, uh, $1,200 an American uh, plus, uh, plus 500 for uh, dependent children. And then the uh, uh, very generous unemployment insurance program that's been put in place too. So uh, when, I, when I look at the third bill as well, of course, of the the paid, lead, uh, paid leave entitlements in the second bill. I think a lot of the protections that uh, you'd want workers to have are in place. Uh, they're uh, either up and running or they're about to be launched. And uh, so I think we're, uh, from the perspective of uh, uh, getting the economy back up again in a good place right now, but let's keep our eyes open uh, to see if there's something more we need to do. Any uh, anecdotal evidence of of, uh, you know, uh, just the perception of things not being totally fair in terms of the way the banks administer things? Do they help certain customers more than others? Uh, w- would you expect that that type of, yes, it's, it's never perfect, and, and you could actually see something that looks like that. Maybe it really isn't, but uh, uh, there are no bad actors at this point, in your view? Well, uh, look, I don't know every detail of that program, and uh, I- I'm not going to say there's, there's not a bad actor. Uh, across the entire landscape of our economy. But again, I think what stands out about the program is uh, how quickly it got stood up, uh, what uh, strong interest there is in, in the program, uh, and how quickly uh, loans are being processed in it. Uh, I think that's a really good sign for what the economy might look like uh, two, three months from now, uh, because uh, demand on the program suggests that you've got a lot of small business people trying to hold on to that business, trying to hold on to their workers, so they can be up and running quickly. And I, I think that's all good news. I mean, you are presiding over the most tumultuous period in, in maybe in history in terms of the U.S. labor market. Do you see positive signs or are, are you positive about the what, when we're finally through all this that we can get back to what percentage of, of normalcy where we were in terms of the labor market? Would you be pleased with with 75, 85, do you think 
95% or, or and when will that happen in your, in your view? And it, it, it's just a daunting prospect given that we're right in the middle of this though. I understand that, Mr. Secretary, but what do you think about the future? Let's aim for 110%. Um, I mean, right, it's been uh, just a a wild swing in, uh, what, a six-week period. We put out our uh, jobs report uh, early in March. Uh, It was just an extremely strong jobs report. Uh, 275,000 jobs had been uh, created in in, in February. Uh, Unemployment, 3.5% again, which was that uh, 50-year low. And, uh, and then uh, we put out a couple jobs reports last week with a very, very high unemployment number. So it's been a, a really a big swing. But w- what gives me uh, confidence is uh, how strong the economy was. We had policies that were working. Uh, those policies remain in place. And now uh, we need uh, Americans, and it's not easy, but to exercise the kind of discipline and social distancing and the like that the president and public health authorities are asking for and, uh, and, 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 and then we get back to work. And I think those policies that gave us the economy we were enjoying, they're still there. Uh, we still got uh, President Trump's leadership. So these are the things that give me confidence in uh, our ability to, to bounce back. Uh, and remember, you know, these numbers that we're seeing, the unemployment numbers, they're, they're, they're high and they're painful uh, for millions of Americans. But it's self-imposed. These numbers are different than we typically see uh, where there's some... Uh, serious underlying flaw in the economy. That's not what brought us to this point right now. And that also gives me some confidence that we can spring back quickly. On September 30th, 2019, as you were taking the oath, it, I just can't imagine. I mean, it, it, when looking back on that, you couldn't have had any idea of of what was in front of you. It looked like a pretty good job probably at that point. Things are, <laughs> are going swimmingly. But uh, uh how things can change. Um, Mr. Secretary, we appreciate, uh, appreciate your coming on this morning and updating us, though. And, Pleasure and being with you. Good luck. And we hope for, Thank we're you. hoping for 110% too. Maybe, maybe 115. Anyway, thanks. Next on Squawk Pod, working from home or slacking? How about both? Office messaging app Slack is seeing over a billion active minutes a day between its global users in light of worldwide stay-at-home efforts. It's up by two full hours in New York, so up to 12.2 hours a day on on average now for uh, for time connected. Slack CEO Stuart Butterfield is right after this. The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. This is Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. If you swapped your office desk for your living room couch during this pandemic, you've probably also swapped face-to-face interaction with your colleagues for some kind of internal messaging service. For the Squawk team and for thousands of other teams around the world, that service is Slack. 
In fact, from February 1st through the last week of March, Slack saw 9,000 new paid customers. That's up 80% from the preceding two quarters. The platform has seen a 20% increase in the number of messages sent per day. And overall, users around the world are spending more than a billion active minutes per weekday on Slack. That sounds like my day. This week, the messaging app filed plans to raise $600 million through convertible debt notes due in 2025. They ended up raising that to $750 million overnight. This is the company's first long-term debt, although to some, it's a surprising time to announce it. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin kicking off the conversation with Slack CEO, Stuart Butterfield. Stuart, good morning to you. Um, we, we actually uh, reported the news yesterday on the show that you were looking to raise $600 million. You've, you've raised more than that in a convertible uh, bond. Explain why you did that and what happened. Sure. Uh, yeah, we, we upped it to $750 million. Um, it was oversubscribed. There's a lot of interest, which is interesting experience for us, you know, with the entire investment community working from home. So we did so probably a lot easier than, than doing the roadshow with the, uh, the physical meetings. So we got to do that uh, starting early yesterday morning, uh, ended up in a position where there was 150 investors expressing interest. So some of our existing investors, some new ones, um, and really great response. And so what, what was the purpose of doing that now? Uh, I, I know some investors who looked at it and saw this as being opportunistic in terms of trying to get ahead of things now. Uh, other people I know raised questions and said, are people not paying their, their, their monthly subscription fee? No, it, it's definitely opportunistic. I mean, I think that um, we're not immune to the, to the overall macroeconomic conditions, but um, the you know the initial response for Slack has been a massive surge in interest, and I think in any scenario, I feel confident that we're going to come out uh, relatively advantaged, and we really want to press that advantage. We really want to be in a position to um, to be cash rich, and we've run the company that way from the beginning. We, we have you know seven hundred plus million on the balance sheet already, so this is about doubling that, um, and had already guided, and we we're trying to be reasonable and prudent with our guidance, but we had already guided to uh, uh, right. cash flow break even at the high end. What are, you, what are you seeing right now in terms of, uh, of customers? I imagine there's lots of people who are jumping on the platform. Are there other customers who've either been on the platform before um, saying, I, need, I either can't afford it, so I need to get off the platform, or asking for some kind of um, you know, uh, f- f- delay, delayed payment? Yeah, I mean, we have a, we're not uh, especially exposed, but we have uh, customers who are in travel and hospitality, uh, booking services, you know, almost all startups, as you know, um, are, are Slack users, almost all technology companies. So there is a little bit of that, and we're starting to see some signal um, on the on the SMB side, um, but we expect that to probably decline over the course of the year. I think that's balanced by some really accelerated rollouts at large enterprises, and just, you know, uh, we reported this earlier, but... Uh, 9,000 uh, new paid teams on, on net um, over the course of the quarter so far, and that's compared to uh, a normal rate of about 5,000, so up 80% with the quarter still uh, happening a few weeks left. Right. And how are, you see, how are you thinking and seeing your market share versus Microsoft Teams, which I know is, is your big, big, big competitor, and any other big competitors out there during this period? We're not really seeing competitors show up so much here. I mean, I think that you have seen a massive uh, spike in Teams usage, but it's for what people tend to use Teams for, which is voice and video calling. We actually announced an integration with Teams calling features like last, last week. Who, who knows? It could be three months ago at this point because the the time dilation, but very recently. Um, and uh, 
almost all of our large enterprise customers are Office 365 customers, so that was uh, very well received. Right. Uh, for those of us who are all working at home on Slack, um, you get to see the other side of it. Hopefully there's privacy settings so you don't see the, the true other side of it. What are the great lessons of this period for you, uh, both as a, a business person, but as someone who's, who's been working on Slack and seeing this all happen in real time? Yeah, it's been very, very dramatic. So I mentioned the, the you know the net new paid customers. Obviously, we've also seen a big increase in in new signups. So people who are brand new to Slack, um, expansion inside of our existing customers, existing user base, um, you know, really accelerated rollouts. But also, even as the you know have this surge in in new users, um, the average utilization per user is also massively increasing, and um, you know we see that all over the world. Uh, up 25% in New York for messages sent per user per day, 29% in London, 42% in, in Paris. And people are also spending a lot more time connected to the service. So that doesn't necessarily mean active usage, but it's up by two full hours in New York. So up to 12.2 hours a day on, on average now for, uh, for time connected. Um, the other question I was going to ask you is, you know, we're, as we're all doing this, a lot of us are going on Zoom and other things I know that has an integration with yours. Um, but there have become additional privacy, current, privacy concerns, not necessarily about Slack, but I'm curious about your, your thoughts about what's happened actually at Zoom, uh, given that you now have people trying to pop into some of these calls that are not supposed to be on these calls and, and sometimes uh, even showing video of things that, uh, let's just say, are not work safe. Yeah, I think that um, massive surges in interest can definitely be a, a double-edged sword. Um, and uh, you know, they're a great partner of us uh, and, uh, and and well integrated. So I mean, I think there's there's some good news for for that company. Um, you know, really massive rollouts, uh, but. but Managing for the consumer internet is, is very different than the enterprise, and and uh, they think they're probably scrambling to keep up with all of that. Is there any great service that you started using during this period? I know you've probably been more of a distributed remote worker yourself, given given what your product does. But is there any is there any new uh, new app that uh, our audience should know about? Maybe not a Slack app that you, that you're using or hearing people use that's different. Um. Yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm struggling to think of ones that I've heard because there's been actually there's been a, a whole bunch of them, um, a lot of different kind of video services. So not necessarily for calling. Uh, one that I've started using lately is called Loom, L O O M, um, and uh, it's it's great for recording short videos to share internally, and those can be with screen recordings or, or just the video. Um, that's a, it's a great way to kind of point things out. I and mean, I'm a, a frequent reporter of bugs in our own software. So it's a great way to point things out um, without having to point at the screen with someone in real time. Okay. Uh, Stuart, always good to see you. I've become a big fan, by the way, of something called Marco Polo. I don't know if you know oh, Marco yeah. Polo. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a great but it, it's, uh, it's been great for keeping the family all together. It's asynchronous. It's like asynchronous um, FaceTime of sorts for those out there who are didn't know about it. I didn't know about it until just recently. Anyway, uh, Stuart, congratulations on, on, on the, uh, the fundraising, and we hope to talk to you soon. Stay safe and healthy out there. Great to see you. Thank you. Coming up on Squawk Pod, optimism after a New Jersey hospital passes a grim milestone. We speak to the CEO of Hackensack Meridian Health. We're hoping we're not getting too happy quite yet, but we're hoping that we're starting to see that, uh, that top of the curve. Back after this. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. 
or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Here's Joe Kernan. We continue to track uh, the coronavirus crisis in the U.S., uh, as a society, right? And here too, uh, as well. New Jersey hit a grim milestone yesterday as the number of COVID-19 deaths passed 1,000. For more on the battle against the virus, let's welcome Robert Garrett, uh, CEO of Hackensack Meridian Health, New Jersey's largest health network, which includes uh, 17 hospitals. And um, is it it's Dr. Garrett, sir? Uh, no, Bob, Bob Garrett's fine, Joe. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. How's the the system holding up out of the 17? I'm sure it's would you characterize it as bursting at the seams yet, but still under control or under control or or just chaos? How would you characterize it? And I know that there's 17 different hospitals we're talking about. Yeah, I would I would characterize it as at at we're getting uh, close to full capacity. Um, We've uh, we've seen 4000 positive covid-19 cases. Out of those uh, 4,000, um, uh, many of them uh, were uh, were hospitalized, and uh, 40% of all hospitalized uh, patients end off in the ICU, and then 80% of those in the ICU end off on a ventilator. So what we've done is we've expanded uh, capacity at Hackensack Meridian. The, the Department of Health in New Jersey, under Governor Murphy's leadership, has asked us to uh, double our ICU capacity. We've done that at each of our 17 hospitals. And as a matter of fact, at Hackensack University Medical Center, which is our flagship hospital up in northern New Jersey, we've actually tripled our ICU capacity and we've uh, we've converted an entire cafeteria into a patient care unit, adding 72 beds. Our supply line continues to to hold. It's been very, very tight. Uh, We've had to source uh, equipment and supplies literally from uh, around the world. We're very grateful. We've uh, received over 200 ventilators from the national um, stockpile, which has helped. And we've also had to uh, repurpose uh, staff, uh, you know, reassigning staff to uh, critical areas. We've uh, called up uh, retired doctors, uh, nurses, respiratory therapists, um, and others. And we've had to use agency nurses that we've had a source really from around the country. But I would say right now we're, we're you know, we're, we're, we're holding our own. Um, we're certainly encouraged that there seems to be a little bit of um, early light at the end of the tunnel in that, that curve that everybody's been talking about. Is, uh, is It looks like it's starting to flatten the number of uh, new cases. Um, each day were, were in the uh, double digits. There were about 35% uh, increase every 24 hours about a week ago. These last few days, they've been in the single digits. So uh, we're hoping we're not getting, you know, we're get, not getting too, uh, too, too happy quite yet, but we're hoping that we're starting to see that, uh, that top of the curve. Bob, is, is New Jersey on the same 
path, you would say, as, as New York City or just slightly behind New York City? You're, you're seeing the, the same type of positive trends very early that, that New York is or, or is New Jersey? I, I had the perception it was just behind New, uh, New York by a couple of days. Is, are we splitting hairs too finely here? No, I think you're you're absolutely correct, Joe. It's uh, I would say it's it's the northern part of the state of New Jersey is probably just a couple days behind New York, very very close to uh, to New York City, and as you go further south in New Jersey, it's probably uh, more like uh, days and even maybe even a week behind uh, where New York is. Uh, but we're, you know, we're encouraged. There's more testing going on than there was at the at the beginning. We're doing a lot of testing at Hackensack Meridian Health, and we're prioritizing our healthcare workers as well as uh, inpatients. Every single time we talk to someone, we we need to just just marvel at the courage and the the resolve of of people that their sole purpose, uh, really in life, their sole purpose in life really is is helping helping people w- without uh, really considering. Uh, their their own health, which is, uh, I just marvel at it every day. Anyway, uh, Robert Garrett, CEO of Hackensack Meridian uh, Health. And I, I know it, it, that's where it's headquartered, Becky, but I know you're pretty close to Hackensack. So he, you have a good, in your home, so you have a good idea of that area. But so the northern New Jersey kind of almost mirroring New York, but showing some positive signs and then maybe South Jersey a little bit uh, behind. But all in all, I don't know. Is it too early to hope that we never that none of our uh, states swamp the ventilator issue? That's what we've all been worried about all along. And, and that would be a, a big relief yeah. if, if we knew that uh, everyone who needed one uh, would, would be able to get one if we bend the curve enough. Back. Yeah. You know, Joe, the, the thing that I, I think it really says to me is that social distancing is working. So all these um, sacrifices that people are making by staying home, I, th- I think, are paying off. And, and again, our incredible thanks to the healthcare workers who are continuing to go in on the front lines of all of this. But social distancing works. Incredible. Stay home. And let's see how, how we can play this out. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Thank you for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. You can subscribe to Squawk Pod on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app to get us in your feed every day. And please keep tuning in. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.